Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first edition of the Sports Chronicles podcast, which is a continuation of my show from VCU that I do on the radio there. Still do that occasionally, but I want to turn this into more of a podcast form to keep on having an outlet for it And uh, after graduating in May. So uh, with me today are Brandon Schillingford and Jason Bowman. How are you guys doing? Doing okay. As okay as you can be. Yeah, as well as you can do. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Jason, a few minutes ago, time doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it really doesn't. It's a construct, honestly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Really, think of, if you really think about it, you know, who who invented what are minutes? Who invented minutes? Who really yeah. sat down and said, "Oh, what's this is a second, like <laughs> second. Yeah, I have uh, at this point getting up anytime before like ten thirty is early to me. I haven't gotten to sleep before four a.m. the past couple of weeks. I'm very sleep deprived, but I'm trying to work on it. I'm really trying, um, and doing it in a month of where I'm watching a bunch of horror movies. That's not the best uh, way to go about it. But all that aside, uh, there's been a big pickup in sports over the past couple of months. With uh, I mean, baseball has essentially started and finished in the span of a couple of months. Uh, but uh, I want to start out with this. This will go out there a couple of days after we do this. But the NBA Finals ended last night in six games. The Lakers beat the Heat. Uh, the Lakers got their first title in about a decade or so. Uh, LeBron got his fourth ring, fourth Finals MVP. So I want to get your guys' thoughts initially on what the, the NBA bubble as a whole, uh, now that we've started and finished the season, uh, it seemed like it was a success. There weren't any outbreaks like there were in MLB or uh, the NFL, uh, especially recently with the NFL. And everything went really, really smoothly. And they had like virtual fans. So the environment was somewhat, somewhat similar, but not terribly close to a normal game. But they did what they did what they could with what they had and got everything accomplished that they set out to do. And now the season's over. But I want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Um, do you want to go first, Jason? You don't need. Uh, I can start. Uh, best team still won, regardless of format. Uh, yeah. Well, the Bucks technically had a better record, but you know, the Lakers were always kind of better. Uh, LeBron James is amazing, incredible. What more needs to be said? There's nothing more that he can't really can be said. There's nothing left for him to do. It's everything's window dressing at this point, and the fact that 17 years. This was year 17, and he won the finals MVP. He won his fourth championship. Uh, was he second in MVP voting behind Giannis, which was the right call, if I can throw that in, too. I mean, Giannis mm-hmm. had the better regular season. Giannis was more valuable to his team than LeBron is to the Lakers. Merely that's punishing him for having Anthony Davis, but that's a digression. Uh, Lakers in sixth was a little bit longer series than I thought it would be. Uh, I had the Lakers winning in five, and they were – this close, if it wasn't for Jimmy Butler just getting the opal in game five, then they probably would have ended in five games. But the Heat are definitely the team of the bubble. That totally did not see that coming. Eric Spolstra is a top three coach in the mm-hmm. association right now. And the bubble is a rounding, or as Adam Silver likes to call it, he calls it the NBA campus because he doesn't like the word bubble. Uh, the NBA campus was an amazing success and is a perfect case study in the age of coronavirus of um, masks work, social distancing works. And if you really, really, truly want to get rid of the virus, it is possible. I did not think it was going to be as successful as it was. 
and it's a case study that should be looked, the way Adam Silver led this should be looked at in any leadership class, any NBA history that's told for decades to come. Yeah. Sorry, I used to hit spacebar. Usually when I'm in class, I have to hit spacebar to unmute myself, but I'm just unmute right now. Okay. Um, so to the first point about the whole COVID and everything going on in the bubble, I think that I agree with you with 10,000% Jason. Like this is a, um, the NBA bubble from years from now should be looked at as like a case study of how any commissioner in any league or any kind of like in workplace should handle an unthinkable disaster. Because, um, this like months and months of planning went into it and it couldn't and like there were so many moments throughout it where you could kind of look at it and be like okay this is where it's all going to break down this is all, where it's all, this is where it's going to collapse but it really never did it kind of just like went as smoothly as as humanly possible um they despite from a few hiccups for sean holmes and uh lou williams um looking at y'all sorry jason but i know that's your guy but you know mm. uh strip clubs they can't you know they, they're not it's not a luxury you can afford in the age of covid um but mm-hmm. but uh it went as it went as well as you probably it, it could and like we talked about it in like last week i think we did it adam um it's because i know the nhl did really well too they only had they didn't have any covid cases as well but um yeah the nfl and mlb have actually dropped the ball more so the nfl and we're only in like week four of the nfl week five of the nfl and we've already had so many covid cases already so but the, the the NBA, like you have to just commend them, just like absolutely, and you have to commend them. You have to give them props for how they handled it because they handled it beautifully. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mentioned in the, I talked texted in our group chat last night. I think they that the best thing because I, I can't see them playing in January regularly. They're going to have to do like mini bubbles or another bubble if they want to play again. But I doubt it's going to be completely fixed by that point. Um, but yeah. I think it went really well. I enjoyed it. The level of competitiveness also was amazing too. Like I did not expect it to be as competitive as it was, aside from like the Clippers, you know, I did not expect it to be as competitive as it was. Um, but yeah, I, it went really well. Um, now talk about LeBron. Um, man, like what can you say? Like he, I think the best way to kind of encapsulate what he's done and how incredible his run has been He's been to three different teams, and through each of those teams, he's been to the NBA Finals. And in each of those Finals runs, he was the best player on his team. Yeah. That is insane. And he's won four rings at this point, and all four of them, with different teams, he's won Finals MVP. He has four Finals MVPs and four championships. That is unreal. And I saw an interesting statistic, too. LeBron James, I forgot what the number was. It was, like, I think 256. He's played 256 playoff games. Do you want to know how many of those he's missed? Zero, Probably right? Probably zero or one. He's played 256 playoff games or some 250 something playoff games and hasn't missed a single one. That's yeah. like that's that's un that's remarkable. It's, you can't I can't see any player in the future or, or there hasn't been anyone in the past who's done something like that. Like that goes as a testament to his skill, his talent, his like workout regimen. There isn't a player like LeBron James. And like I just don't think we'll ever see anybody like him again. I saw your tweet last night, Jason, too. Like, when he retires, we're all going to miss him so much. Everyone loves to shit on him. You cut that. I'm sorry, Adam. Everyone loves to, like, everyone loves to uh, crap on him. Um, but once he's gone, you're really going to see a shift in how business is conducted in the league and how teams play. Because, like, I think somebody mentioned, I think it was Damian Lillard in, like, a live he did. When you play against LeBron James, like, you – 
you're you 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 bring like your A game like, every time. And like there's no player I feel feel like that in the league who you play who guys like will be like, all right, this is, we have to bring our A games every time we play against them. So congratulations, LeBron. Like I they were the best team, like Jason said. Miami Heat. I I mentioned this too. I thought that I thought the series, I think I'm pretty sure I said it, Adam, I'm not sure, but the Heat was gonna go six games. That that was I think I'm pretty sure I said it was gonna yeah. go six games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and because they're an incredibly talented team, they're just so sm- too small for the Lakers, but they're so talented. I think they're going to be back definitely. Yeah, I thought it was going to go five or six, and I know you said six or seven, uh, and I uh, I definitely underestimated the Heat a little bit. Um, but uh, a couple of things that I'd like to speak to as well. Uh, it, it was kind of a full circle feeling uh, with like in multiple ways where you've got uh, like LeBron left the Heat what, five, six years ago after winning a couple of rings with them, and then he ends up beating them in the finals with another team. And uh, that, the uh, of course, the death of Kobe Bryant, like January, the Lakers, once they finally got playing again, win the NBA championship. Unfortunately, not in the Black Mamba jerseys. Uh, I was really rooting for that on Friday. Um, and also, But I also want to uh, – because I this isn't an NBA, like an official NBA thing. I don't cover NBA for a living, so I think I can get away with this. But I've been a LeBron fan since I was little. Like when I got into basketball, I've never fully been into basketball. It's always been more baseball, football, that kind of thing. But when I was like six, seven, eight years old and got into basketball, it was um, it was never really a team thing. It, I really liked Kevin Garnett and Ben Wallace and LeBron, and I, I had more of a player mentality. And I don't know who I'm going to go with when LeBron retires, which uh, I'll, I'll ask you guys this too, about how long you think he'll play. Do, do you think he plays to six rings to equal Jordan? Because I'm my fingers are crossed he does because I'd really like to see him play once, like in the next year or two. Um, but uh, I guess if you guys could speak a little to what the, the Lakers championship means as a whole between those two things and also LeBron being – you know, one of the most prominent voices for social social change in like May uh, and June, and then having that platform and then winning the NBA championship and talking about it pretty much all the way. And also his legacy and how long you guys think he'll play, I guess, kind of speak to all of that. Uh, well, first off, I always think of when people talk about how long LeBron James has been playing, I think about that picture of him at the WWE match, his rookie year with the flip phone, taking pictures of Stone Cold Steve Austin in his prime. <laughs> <laughs> what is this it's the craziest thing but um he has forever altered how athletes are perceived um in terms on and off the court if anyone watched you guys watch the last dance i'm sure people that listen to this podcast watch the last dance because there's nothing else to do um and it's sports um i was setting a timer for that but i digress anyways they talk about when jesse helms was running for re-election in the 90s and jesse helms senator from north carolina I don't think it's biased to say he was very prejudiced, very racist. Um, It's a very easy call to make as probably the most prominent African-American athlete at the time to say from North Carolina saying, Hey, this is not good at all. (laughs) Like we need to get this guy out of here, but he didn't because he talks about how his supporters would buy sneakers too. the famous quote. Um, LeBron doesn't care about that. He's who he is. Um, And people like to put these labels on him. I don't really think he's being political because what he's talking about is 
right and wrong. It's wrong to do the things he's advocating against. It's wrong to be prejudiced. It's wrong for the police to kill people. It's not that, not that bad to say. It's wrong for anybody to be killed like that. It's not a political issue. I am very passionate about that. I'm sorry for the digression, but I think LeBron has done more to put those out in the forefront, especially for people that might not necessarily see that. I know it's kind of hard to not be, not see these issues on a daily basis in the digital world, but there are people that will stick their heads in the sand for better or for worse and mm. say, I'm just, I don't care about anything. I'm just going to watch sports, but you can't do that. It's, yeah. these issues care about you regardless. And I think LeBron, number one, realizes he has a bigger platform than anybody since Jordan, at least in this country, um, and try to affect change. Number two, realizes that he has a lot of fans, that he has a lot of influence over, therefore he has to do the right thing. You will never see him going to Magic City. You'll never see him doing what Daniel House did from the Houston Rockets and sneaking somebody into the bubble. He's always done the right thing. He's been, ever since he was 15 or 16 years old, he's been in the public eye and people just kind of look for him to stumble, make some kind of mistake. And he, he's never faltered. He's always been arguably the greatest basketball player to ever live, certainly the greatest basketball player of his generation, yeah. and has always done the right thing. Um, back to on the floor, how much longer can he go? It's been 17 years. He turns 30, uh, tabletop math, 36, I think, right? Yeah, thanks, Brandon. 36 in the fall. Um, basketball players don't really play much past 36. Um, I think the longest career ever, Vince Carter just hung it up after 22 years. So that's only five more years, which is still a significant amount of time. But I think what will happen is, because he's still playing at an MVP caliber, one day it'll just go like that, not to make the NASCAR tangent, but Adam, you know how Jimmy Johnson won the championship in 2016, had been racing, was still much in his prime, one of the all-time greats. He's won three races since then, and it kind of just dried out almost immediately. He won three races uh, in the first 12 the following season and none in the three and a half years since then. So it's like yeah. the water faucet just got turned off. And I think it, that's going to happen yeah. one day. It comes for everybody, but fingers crossed it's not for a while. He has at least two more years left in this contract. And if I'm being honest, I think he's going to stick it out until Barani comes in. I think he wants to play with him. Yeah. He said it like a few times. And I just, I, that's going to be fun, honestly, because he, Barani's going to be, he's a sophomore, uh, He's a sophomore now, so he only has a few more years left in high school. And he's gonna—he's probably—and they're getting rid of like the have to go to college rule too. So, you never know. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I agree with everything you said, Jason. Um, uh, in terms of just like, I'll, I'll talk about him playing first. I think that he—he he has like kind of a workout regimen, and like he has a like he has this like stamina and like this. He—you he, haven't seen anybody like. LeBron in terms of the way he can kind of like condition his body and kind of tailor it to like however he's playing whatever situation he's in and like he's done something that I feel like no other player, NBA player has ever done he's like adapted with he's adapted his like playing style with his body you start you saw him when he started first started playing so he was more of like a slasher he attacked the basket really aggressively um when he was in Miami and in his prime and towards the end of his Cleveland years he started doing those chase down blocks started putting a lot more effort in on defense but you saw, you know, towards the end of his Miami time, like the first years in Cleveland, back in Cleveland, he started kind of like taking it on, like he started being a little bit lazier on the defensive end, really kind of like preserving his body for like the playoffs, you know. And really that's just kind of, and he's going to, like people were criticizing for it then, but I mean, and I think that it's, 
I wish he would play put him with more effort on the defensive end sometimes, but it's really kind of some genius, like strategic moves in terms of conditioning yourself. Like he, and I think he's going to keep doing that. What you're going to see from LeBron, I think over the next few years, I think you're going to see him, even though his stats might decline, his, his um, impact on the offensive end more than anything as a passer, as like playmaker is going to like increase. I think because he's gotten so much smart and like the, what most basketball kind of pundits or critics will like kind of, say, like, even people who, like, hate LeBron, like Skip Bayless, what they'll, what they'll say about LeBron is that he has, like, an incredible, incredible basketball IQ. Like, he, like, nobody else has ever played the game before. He can, he can see his court vision is, like, unparalleled. I think that he's going to play more into that as you see him get older. I think he could play into, like, his early 40s, honestly. Because if he just, he, like, I think he, and with the way he, like, he can, like, I say he can shoot himself or he, like, is like or tweets his body during the offseason. I think he's gonna, you're gonna see him play like long, like not long in his 40s, but like maybe to his early 40s. Um, yeah. but yeah, in, in terms of like his legacy and like impact on social change, um, Jason said it again, but I think that he, he's been in the public eye since he was like 15 years old. Ever since he got that tattoo, chose more on his back, he's had people's eyes on him, but also like a target on his back, waiting for him to mess up. And his credit. He arguably, he, he has, he's never done it. He's never like messed up. He's never done. It. He's never cheated on his wife. He's never like beat someone up in a club. He's never done anything. Like he's never done, get, been caught with like Coke and cane or like drugs or anything. Yeah. Um, his literally, his 15 year old son got caught with weed before he did. Oh, I, know. I was going to bring that up, but I forgot about it. <laughs> like literally, how do you, like, I don't understand, man. How does he like, how do you do it? Like, I think honestly, the first time, like, the first thing you only really the only thing you can point to, which conservatives have been kind of like hanging on to for the last like, year, the whole China thing. But like he even admitted like he was he wasn't in, he was in the wrong there. He wasn't informed, even though he said Daryl Moore was in the form. But that's literally the only thing I can think of when you think of like mm-hmm. the steps he's made. And he he's somebody who has been such a huge advocate for change. And he in an age where like you can be a social media or like celebrity and talk a big talk and be like, oh, we, Black Lives Matter, oh, we, you can say whatever you need. LeBron's actually like put his money where his mouth did. He built a school in Akron, Ohio for under, like underprivileged and, and students who are part of lower economic status. Like he, 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 he like the, the, st- the change he's actually, he doesn't want to just talk about change, he actually makes change. And that's something that's so rare. It's so, 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 so rare when you talk about people in the public eye. And I think that, you just need, if, if at the very least, you need to respect him for just being such a humble and kind of just like good person. Because that's, you, you don't see that. He's just genuinely, genuinely good person who wants to like, who wants to positively affect the world and like his community and people in his life. And I think that's, you've seen that from, from when he's 18 years old. I think you're going to continue seeing that. I think that's really incredible. Yeah. And yeah. if I, I butt in real quick, Adam, no, that, that just yeah. reminded me that we make the comparison to Michael Jordan a lot. I made that comparison during my first remarks on it, but I just got the thought about when Brandon was talking about his actually affecting social change. He reminds me a lot more of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and what he's done and continues to do even now as an elder statesman of the game of being able to say, hey, this is wrong. I'm going to do this and being just a true advocate for what he believes in and being a transitional figure on and off the floor. I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar might be the new mark we got to compare to. He's going to be chasing him down for the next few years. Kareem has the all-time scoring record, and LeBron 
missing a lot of games last year might have fallen off his pace, but it's definitely on the radar. And then also, another point, Brandon, you brought up how he's changing his game. We kind of forgot about this. He led the league in assists this year. Mm-hmm. In year 17, he's never done that before. He's totally changed his game. You told me when I was, what, 12, 13 years old, back when he was on the Heatles, if he was ever going to lead the league in assists, I would have thought that was stupid. But he has, and there's no reason to think why he might not be able to do that again next year. Mm-hmm. Also, too, the – in terms of like the longevity, longevity of LeBron and like the longevity of the Lakers in general, I agree. He's gonna, I think he's gonna stick out with the team. Their favorites, like Vegas, like their Vegas favorites to win the title next season. I think that's not gonna change for another few years, honestly. AD's in his prime right now. LeBron's prime has arguably, I think LeBron, honestly, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's still in his prime. Mm-hmm. At least maybe towards the tail end of it. You have two, the two of the five best players in the league playing together at the top of their games, you're going to – I don't think he's going to – I don't know if I was LeBron, I don't think he's going to retire anytime soon. I don't see any reason to. So, Yeah, I was um, going to bring up, like, a, a, as a final thought, but before that, like, it's only in the last few years I really started appreciating, like, LeBron – LeBron's career as a whole, uh, like, since I've really started more paying more attention to basketball in the last five years or so. And – also, yeah, like you were talking about, Brandon, the, uh, the I Promise School, I think it's called, in uh, Akron. Um, I, I did like a press box for the CT of ECU a few years ago about how, like, you know, he was receiving all this criticism for all the protests and everything, but he took, he took what he was doing a step further, did something good with what he, with the resources he had and said, you know, hey, here's a school for underprivileged people. And boom, you know, I mean, that's, like that's nothing short of admirable. Like you, you can't, it's, you can't criticize that on like 15 different levels. People um, found a way to criticize it. Sorry. People found a way to criticize it. Well, well, people find a way to criticize everything. That's what Twitter's for. <laughs> but um, as a final thought, I wanted to get your guys take on, do we see a Lakers heat rematch next year? If, Everyone on the Heat, all the pieces on the Heat stay. The Lakers aren't breaking up anytime soon. Do we see a rematch next year, or does someone else come out of the East? I'm thinking I'm going to say no. That That's a safe pick, so I'm going with it. Maybe not next year, but, mm. you know, when Giannis joins the Heat next time. <laughs> you laugh. I laugh, but I think you're right. Yeah. I think he's going to leave the, the box. I think he is. So I don't think they're winning next year. I don't think the Bucs are winning next year. Um, but sorry, Jason, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, that's exactly what I was thinking. I would say no as well, because the Heat already made, this run was improbable. Um, it's already, they were the five seeds, so it was already kind of improbable. Uh, oh God, the Bucks, man. I don't know what to think about the Bucks. Same with the Celtics too. They're both really good teams, but I, Brad Stevens, so overrated, I think. But I think the Lakers might actually face some heat from, it's going to sound wild. Golden State is going to be back next year. You're going to have all their pieces back. I know Draymond's kind of washed, but Clay's not washed. Steph's not washed. They have a lottery pick this year. Depends who they get. They can be really good. Steve Kerr is still one of the best coaches in the league. They might make the Lakers earn their money here. Mm-hmm. And it depends on too, like if you if they if we they play in stadiums and fans are allowed back. I don't think they will be, but Oakland they they love their Warriors and they're going to like they're going to make it hard for any team going into. Um, not the Oracle now, but, you know, Chase Arena. Mm-hmm. Provide uh, Chase Arena in Oakland. But, you know, it's – I think that um, 
more than anything, because like, and there's there's been some rumors they're gonna try to flip that pick, that lottery pick for um for Bradley Beal. So that would make make them even better. That would make them so much. It'd be I, <laughs> I hate them so much. They're so good. Like, their office is so good. Like they, but yeah, I I agree with you 100, Jason. I think that the Lakers are gonna face a lot of competition in the West, and I think Denver's only getting it better. Mm. Um, I don't think that the Clippers are. I think they're. <laughs> I, I, if you still have PG thirteen percent in there, I think that you. I think that I don't think you're gonna have a chance to win a championship if you just have Kawhi Leonard. Um, uh, but yeah, I think that the West is gonna get even better, especially with Luca in like at uh, in Dallas. Um, I think they're gonna get even better as well. In terms of like the East, uh, I think. I mean, I wouldn't be so quick to write off the Heat, honestly. Because they have a lot of really young talent. It's only going to get better. Tyler Hero. Um, yeah, Bam, who, Bam Adebayo, who is going to probably get the max this year. He's one of the best players in the league, I think. Like, he's, you're going to see that his kind of steady ascent. He's going to only get more talented. He's so, like, if you just really watch him. If you watch him during the last game, he's like the Heat's leading score. He's so talented. I think they're going to make it better. Um, and Jimmy Butler, he's also, like, he's, he's the leader of that team. So, but... In terms of like your question, Adam, I mean, I wouldn't write it off completely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, kind of shifting gears to something that's also in full swing. We're only like in the middle of it. Uh, so, Brandon, when we originally recorded this, uh, we're doing it again because of some editing issues. But uh, with uh, we talked about the LB playoffs, which was a very nebulous. Uh, kind of matter at that point because you had 16 teams never which is the most ever in an MLB playoff format because of the pandemic. And we, we just kind of gave our predictions all the way through. But now that we're two rounds in, you've got the Rays and the Astros. The Rays are up 2 nothing right now, uh, two games to none, not score-wise. Uh, the Braves and the Dodgers start tonight, which I'm not – they've started like an hour ago. I don't know what the score is. Braves are winning right now. They are? Yeah. Okay, cool. So – uh, well, that get, maybe that gives us an idea. So, I at the beginning of everything, I picked the Rays to go to the championship series, but the White Sox beat them and then lost to the Braves in the World Series. The White Sox uh, decided to wreck my bracket really early. And so, Braves are still intact. My pick was Braves in six in the World Series. Right now, I'm going with Braves over Rays also in six, but I want to get your guys' predictions, Brandon, since you did them before when we did this. Of course, now having kind of an updated look at everything, I think Braves-Dodgers is going to be a classic series. But I think the Braves come out of it and then win the World Series. Uh, but, uh, Jason, we haven't talked about it either, so I'm curious what you think too. Uh, well, I'll go ahead and lead it off. Uh, I think the Braves are the best team left. I don't know if that's a hot take over L.A., but I think they're the best team, and I think they'll win the whole thing, which would be really nice to see. They haven't won a title in 25 years. So Dodgers haven't won in a while either. The Rays yeah. have never won. So, <laughs> you know, I guess it's a wash. But Tampa Bay Rays, uh, somebody put a gun to my head and said, name three players in the Tampa Bay Rays. I would not survive. I could not do it. Yeah. I know Kevin Kiermeyer. I know their manager, Kevin Cash, is a very good manager. We've been going – we – I'm an Orioles fan. Orioles have been going against them in the AL East for a while, and yeah. they've made a huge step up this year. Even though it's a shortened season and people might try to write them off for that, they're a good team. I don't know really how all those pieces fit together. They just do, and it just works out for them. And I know it'd be a very popular win if they can get the Astros out of here. Mm -hmm. uh, the Astros are 
I know I like Dusty Baker, but I mean that the whole team carries that whole stench with them, and it will as currently constructed for a while. But back to actual on the field production, I think Braves Dodgers goes six or seven. Um, I get the benefit of Rays already winning two games, and I'm gonna think that's a short series just because they've totally swung the momentum. Yeah, and I don't see how the Astros can recover, especially about the trash cans. The World Series is gonna be a lot of fun. I do, I still like the Braves, but. I can't count out Tampa Bay anymore. I've been counting them out. They remind me of the Eagles a few years ago when they won the World I mean, the Super Bowl. Um, I kept always writing them off, but they find a way, and they're way better than I thought they were. I mean, yeah, game two earlier today, which will be a couple of days ago when this is out, but Manny Margot playing right field, one of the most incredible catches I've ever seen, flips over the fence, lands on like a concrete walkway, and he's pretty much completely fine. So – uh, yeah, the Rays, I, I, I saw that, and I'm like, uh, is, is that a sign? Like, are the Rays going to win the World Series? And I'm not going to put it past them to go all the way. I still think the Braves are going to win. But. Um, I'm not sure I agree with you on that one, Adam. I, I'll get my prediction in a little while. Um, to Jason's point about Kevin Cash, incredible manager. I, I've only ever heard of him, like, in the last few weeks, but he's really been, like, managing his – I say the A word, his butt off. He's yeah, been fine. You, you can. That's fine. He's ranching his ass off, like in these last few weeks. Um, I think the Rays, like, are one of the most, like, kind of well put together teams. I think they're the most well put together team in the playoffs. Like, kind of like putting all those puzzle pieces together and putting them together in a way where they can kind of attack you in so many different ways, no matter on how, like, what your strengths and weaknesses are. I think that they're really, really great. Um, Manny Margot, also, happy for that guy. I've been a fan of him ever since he was in San Diego. Um, and I, I love the guy. Um, but, yeah, I think they're going to sweep the Astros, knock on wood. I don't have any wood. But, you know, the idea is still there. But I hope – I think, I think they'll sweep the Astros. Um, and as far as the NLCS goes, I um, – you know what? I just have a feeling. I think the Dodgers always find a way to, like, ruin everything, ruin, ruin any chance for themselves they have. I'm, this is going to be an unpopular pick, but I'm going to go. I think the Dodge, I think the Braves are going to end up pretty, end up pretty quickly. I think it's going to be like maybe five or six games. Mm-hmm. Um, go to seven. I think it's going to be either five or six games. I'm going to go with the Braves. Um, and in the World Series, I we keep doubting the Rays, but I think they're going to. I think they're going to win it. I think they're going to go seven games at least, or seven yeah. games, or six games at least. I think they're going to beat them, beat the Braves. I hope so, it goes seven. I think three uh, of the last four World Series have gone seven. The Cubs and then yeah. Astros and then last year's the Nationals. Two of those just all timers. I could talk all day about the Nationals last year. Definitely about the Cubs in sixteen. I've been watching a lot of reaction videos about those. That's a weird tangent. But back on topic, I realized I never actually made a pick for the World Series. Yeah. So just to butt in, Adam, before you jump back in, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. do Braves in. I'll say seven. Whatever. Yeah, hope for hope for the most entertainment possible, which I don't have a problem with. Like uh, the, but with the MLB because they've they've done a pretty good job with the whole bubble aspect. NBA and NHL did a fantastic job, had very few issues. MLB is almost done with their season. They had a couple issues early on, resolved them, and everyone seemed to take it seriously after that. Uh, um, <laughs> the NFL, <laughs> you can't say the same for the NFL. With they've had like cases reported, 
pretty much every week. NFL is the football in general is an inherently contact sport, which is what I was worried about from the beginning. Uh, and I, I called that they, they would be the worst off with the worst off of the four major sports, but it's been, it's been a constant thing with games getting rescheduled. I think for this coming weekend, there was like four or five different games that got moved around. Uh, there's a game tomorrow night, I think uh, on Tuesday night because of COVID stuff, Cam Newton got it and like part of the Patriots games got rescheduled or something. So it, it's been pretty disheartening. Like I, I love watching football. It's getting me hours at work. I love like last night, this on Sunday night, the Seahawks game, Russell Wilson led one of the most incredible drives. I've seen him lead in one of the most incredible uh, among his incredible drives, but it's, it's just, I, I just wish the NFL was, they had bubbled themselves somewhat, you know, like New York, New Jersey, there's a couple stadiums, there's, or, or like in the regions, like the MLB did, like, you know, the East, the Central, the West, uh, there had to have been a better way for them to do this. I guess so. I mean, it's hard to bubble NFL teams because there's so many people involved. Their, their mm. rosters are like four times bigger than an NBA roster. They have a million coaches. They have coaches for everything. The sidelines have so many people on them. So I think in lieu of doing a bubble, which unpopular take, I was actually against a bubble for the NFL just because the logistics of it, especially for a whole season, would have been a nightmare. Um, instead, <laughs> I wish they would just forfeit. They would make these teams forfeit if they broke COVID rules intentionally and just disregard yeah. the rules. Like the, what's coming out with the Tennessee Titans, how they had multiple the outbreak. Multiple times. They still – yeah, yeah, they still met for practice multiple times, and they kind of snuck off the high schools. They knew they were doing something wrong. They knew they were doing it wrong. Um, they played tomorrow night against the Bills. I wish they had just given them the loss for that and moved on. <laughs> I know for a revenue standpoint, it kind of blows for the Bills, especially because they lose a game. But there's got to be a way to levy severe punishment because all it takes is a couple games to mess up the whole thing. Because you saw with the Patriots-Broncos were supposed to play tonight instead of uh, yesterday. Yeah, but then they got postponed to who knows when because when they in order to postpone that game they had to move eight other games to accommodate it. They're sliding; it's like a giant shell game, like you see at a ballpark. <laughs> yeah. Everything's just sliding around. Yeah, my goodness, it's I would hate to make the schedule right now. So that's my take. I wish they would just levy heavier penalties, massive yeah. fines, or uh, causing forfeits. I saw yeah. one article that said that the Titans should be forced to. Uh, forfeit the rest of the season that might be a little too much but we I saw that definitely too. put forfeits in the play yeah I, I could get behind that yeah um we were talking about the bubbles of like the NBA and like the NHL and how beautifully they handled it they if I were to make a comparison I would say the NBA and the NHL were like taking their grandmothers down like a flight of stairs guiding them gently Maybe they put a little handrail there. One of those things they put the chair on, like the motorized thing, they slide them down. Just like slowly guiding them, you know, really, really kindly. Yeah. Um, I would say the NHL probably put their hands on their grandmother's heads and then shoved them down the stairs and said, "Do what you do. What you got to do. You know, like whatever happens, happens. You know, I don't like. You know, if you break your neck, you break your neck. It's fine. Like it's alright. Yeah. Like I just don't understand the thought process." behind the NFL restart. Like, what did you think was going to happen? It's just complete lack of disregard 
and like lack of regard and like just like carelessness and thoughtlessness and like I don't understand the NFL is run by morons I, I I don't know why I wouldn't have expected this but like they I I just don't understand like I don't understand like what we they thought what was gonna happen because like you can see them they're like oh so, so surprised now they're like oh my god well we didn't expect this let's postpone the games I agree with you 100% Jason they should like put a loss on their asses and literally just like call it a day there's no reason to delay the season also what happens in January when you have Four teams left, right? Three of them have COVID. Are you going to push the Super Bowl back and like have all those advertisements and all like the all the companies who have paid millions and millions of dollars for the ads and be like, okay, we're going to push it back weeks, maybe like a month or so? What's going to happen? Like, I don't understand like what they thought was going to happen from a from a monetary perspective too. Like, you you know how much they how much they care about money. So like mm-hmm. from a monetary perspective, like what's going to happen? Like it makes no sense either. What, I just don't understand, like, what's the positive. Like, and I get that, like, to play in these arenas, like, a lot of these owners, too, like, sometimes pay for the arenas themselves. But still, like, I just don't think that it's smart or it doesn't make any sense at all. And they had uh, six months to come up with a plan, and they just six months. didn't. So, yeah, I think, I think the biggest kind of harbinger of what was to come for me was when – was it – it might have been Oakley. I'm not sure what company it was, but they were like, okay, guys, we've got these face masks that you can wear when you play, and it just has holes in it, and it looks like it would do nothing. And, that, I mean, like I said, f- football is an inherently contact sport. You've got people crashing into each other every five seconds, and stuff's going to get transmitted that way. And the NFL was like, okay, we're going to ban jerseys, jersey swats after the game. And I'm like, you, you've – whatever's been transmitted has already been transmitted. Like that's not going to solve anything. Uh, but my fingers are crossed that things go better, that maybe teams start taking it seriously. unlike the past couple of weeks. Um, and, and the Seahawks are doing well. That's all I can ask for. Um, they're still undefeated. Last night was uh, great. Um, but okay. So moving on to uh, a bit of a, on a NASCAR thread here, because uh, with the NFL season continuing to be up in the air and a lot of games getting moved around, there's a big possibility that week 18 could happen with some of the rescheduled games either getting pushed back or just games getting pushed back through the season. And with that, there's a lot of talk that Fox and NASCAR will push back the Daytona 500 because that would be on Fox. And so would the Super Bowl. And, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, outside of racing fans, the Super Bowl pretty much preempts everything. But, uh, of course, that could be avoided if they just skip the Pro Bowl, which no one watches anyway. <laughs> but, um, okay. you know what? That, that <laughs> is all thing. All right. I'll check in on it, like, maybe once or twice, and then I turn to something else. For, the, for us eight Pro Bowl fans, we, we love to watch it all the way through. We love to watch 40% effort being put in. 90% of the time, it's a, it's a ball. It's a hoop, all right? So leave us alone, all right? It's um, like I'll check in when – if the Seahawks are in the Super Bowl, I'll check in when Russ is playing, and that's about it. But, okay, so with uh, – that, that came out in the last couple of weeks that NASCAR could push that back. So I want to start with – okay, so the last couple of weeks, NASCAR raced at Talladega and the Charlotte Roval, which is, of course, the road course combined with the regular track. And um, so, Jason, you're um, a big racing fan as well. Let's, let's start two weeks ago at Talladega with 
what was essentially a wreck fest and then a really stupid final lap that the top 10 guys, I've never seen a more, you know, screw it. We're just going to go all out final lap and, and every man for himself than that in a long time. I, there, there's, there was a lot, a lot of controversy, which has been talked to death over the past seven days about the yellow line rule. And I can understand where NASCAR is coming from with it. I get it. Like, you know, you don't want someone using part of the track that someone else isn't to gain an advantage. And Joey Logano got penalized for it, I think, twice during the race. During the last lap, Matt DiBenedetto gets penalized for it. Chris Buescher gets penalized for it. Denny Hamlin doesn't, even though he went below. I can see their angle of where he was forced down on some level with because Buescher and Eric Jones, I think, were pretty much wrecking. But... Hamlin kind of stayed below the yellow line before coming back up onto the track. It's chaos. It's been an issue for like 15 years. So I would have expected NASCAR to get rid of it before the new decade, but they haven't. And it's still causing problems. Yeah. I mean, they've had that rule. Gosh, probably almost 20 years. I remember Dale Hart Jr. Almost getting penalized for it. I just live in Winston Cup back then. It was a yeah. long, long time ago. I was a little boy when that <laughs> happened. But, um, God, that's rule is so stupid. It's, I think Dale Earnhardt Jr., ironically enough, said after the broadcast, on, um, well, shoot, that was eight days ago, <laughs> after the race at Talladega, he said, um, why not just get rid of it? It's like we keep having to make these calls at the end of the races all the time. I've never seen so many people get called for forcing others below the line, and I did um, two, two weeks ago. <laughs> because yeah. They never call for that. That's, I, I, it's silly. And why I only have it at two racetracks out of however many they go to, 22, 23, whatever number they're at now. But um, I never liked it. Uh, Regan Smith got messed over on that rule 12 years ago. I didn't like it then. Mm. It's, it's just, it causes more problems. And then anytime you have to over-legislate any sort of sport, it really just dilutes the product. It's the equivalent of having – say, a college basketball game where refs just blow the whistle every time there's any contact in the paint. It's the same deal. No one wants to see ref ball, and this is NASCAR's really only version of it. Yeah, and I can understand, like, them, like, like the rule being at super speedways rather than all the other tracks because, like, you know, you've got, like, Phoenix where everything is in bounds or um, Martinsville where there's, where there's nothing but the track that you can really – nowhere else you can really go – and I could like if if they're not getting rid of it entirely, my take would be on like enforcing it maybe just in the turns or something, or if it's just incredibly blatant, like if someone just doors someone all the way down. But as for like the final lap, unless it's that blatant, um, a la like Johnny Sauter, I think fall of last year where he forced Riley Herps below and both of them got called out for it. It just seems like it'd just be enforced maybe in the turns where when you try to come back onto the track, you could kill the whole field or during, or if it's just blatant, because uh, I feel like on that last lap at Talladega, if that rule wasn't there, we would have had a much smoother, maybe not a much smoother final lap, but a smoother end of the race. Cause you know, you've got people wondering, Oh, did the Benedetto win? Did Hamlin win? Oh, no, Hamlin won. Oh, no, DiBenedetto got called for it and got pushed back to 22nd. So whoever, whoever was second finished second. And it's, it kind of just causes a whole mess. And 
uh, it might be better, again, unless it's super blatant to just kind of the boys have at it thing, but not in a super aggressive way. Mm-hmm. And then you have what happened to Chase Elliott, too, because he got called for it originally. Yeah. And then they actually filed a formal protest and got it reversed. So they went from fifth to 21st and then back to fifth. So yeah. it was just, my goodness, that was ridiculous. And it finally put the damper on what was otherwise a fine race. I'm not one for liking it when there's too many accidents because it kind of dilutes the whole racing product. I know some people are more into crashes. Some fans are more into crashes. I was, that's the part. I love Talladega really until the last quarter of the race. And then when it devolves, it just kind of comes apart. But it was a, a nice race up until that point. And then once you over-legislate, it just puts a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Yeah, I, I remember when I was a lot younger, you know, being like, you know, every five seconds to Talladega, I was like, wreck, why haven't you wrecked yet? And then I've grown into, you know, that was great racing at Talladega a couple of weeks ago. I I don't hate the crashes being a part of it, especially those tracks, because they're supposed to be wild cards and that's going to happen. But it also there's also like a breaking point where it gets ridiculous. Uh, 2017, like half the field wrecked in one wreck and then there were like three other wrecks and then there was like five cars left running at the end of it. But uh, then you get a different kind of chaos uh, a few days later. Cup wasn't as chaotic as people expected it to be. It was supposed to pour. It didn't. It maybe sprinkled a little bit. Uh, so it was a pretty normal, as normal as a roval race can be. <laughs> we haven't had many. But the Xfinity race on Saturday, the entire track was a puddle like it was it started raining like five laps in and it never let up it just got worse they had to red flag it for a little bit and then they sent them back out and I've seen a lot of people saying oh, it was a it was a great race it was a horrible race uh, this shouldn't be in the playoffs but I, I'm kind of falling in the middle like it's my whole take was it's adapting to the conditions if they're going to choose to have the rain tires handy and it does rain, I feel like that's just kind of like a formula one thing where they'll run in the wet or the dry and you just, you just kind of go with whatever's happening at the time. Yeah. I mean, formula one fans have known this for decades when it rains, that's really kind of the equalizer. And then you see the most talented drivers come to the top. Uh, the late Ayrton Senna was always really good in the rain. Uh, there hasn't been a rain race in formula one and seemingly 35 years but yeah. so I don't really know how good Lewis is in the ring also shout out Lewis Hamilton he tied Michael Schumacher's record yesterday of 91 wins one that I thought was never going to be broken yeah uh, what he's done on and off the track is incredible this is way off topic we can maybe touch on that later <laughs> in the next segment but back to the rain race topic my segue into that is the most skilled drivers despite people saying oh this is ridiculous this is stupid livable the most skilled <laughs> drivers still ended up in the front because at the very end it was between AJ Allmendinger who's the best driver on road courses probably at any level in NASCAR and then Chase Briscoe who is far and away the most naturally talented driver in that series uh, probably going to move up next year we can yeah. talk about that at a later time but the top two drivers in that race ended up being the top two at the very end Briscoe hit a giant puddle with two laps to go and spun out and that's what really messed him up I've never seen anything like that in my life <laughs> I've been watching <laughs> racing since I was like a foot tall. I, you can't see it behind me, but I got race cars all over the place in here. <laughs> but, and yeah. I angle up. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's all that racing stuff. And all. That's just a smidgen. But 
I'm in my childhood bedroom, by the way. COVID has me back with my parents. It's a fun time. But <laughs> back on topic. So I've been watching thousands of these my whole life, and I've never seen them race in conditions like that, at least not in NASCAR. It was different. It was exciting. I wouldn't want to see it every week because um, then it would get kind of ridiculous. And I think it was a good challenge. It tested the drivers. It equalized the equipment. You saw guys up front. You don't normally see up front. Alex LeBay was up front for a lot. Greg Galding, Brandon Brown. Ryan C, who moved on to the next round of the playoffs. That was pretty yeah. cool. Um, yeah. Shoot, I don't even know who ended up towards the front at the end because it all kind of went sideways. But, yeah, it was a great equalizer. I, I loved it. I love that race a lot. Uh, again, it's kind of like how you love Christmas, how it's kind of cool to see, but you don't want to see it all the time. I wouldn't want to see it every week. You'll never see it on an oval. But with six road courses next year in the Cup Series, you might need to get used to maybe once every two or three years having to deal with something like that. Yeah, it, it had been a while because the last one I remember, which I watched and thoroughly enjoyed, was Mid-Ohio 2016. Justin Marks ended up winning the race. And it wasn't, real, it wasn't a downpour. It was just kind of constant rain, light rain. Uh, and you had, like, Bubba Wallace, Ty Dillon near the front kept sliding off, and Marks was, was there at the end. <laughs> And uh, I'm looking – I brought up the results here. Uh, in the top ten, you had Alex LeBay, Cody Ware, Jade Buford, and then Jeffrey Earnhardt in 11th, uh, Josh Blicky 13th. So a lot of guys who you wouldn't normally see on, like, an oval track finish up near the front, whether it be at equipment or the drive or whatever. Uh, more so the equipment because, again, like you said, rain is the great equalizer uh, in racing. And it was, I, I think it was thoroughly, and it's always nice to have one of those wild card races every now and again. Racing shouldn't all be, you know, what you expect every week. There should be maybe a little bit of chaos thrown in uh, time of year to usually that's the super speedways. But this year it was um, like 75 feet of rain at Charlotte. And I was fully expecting it the next day, and I was very excited to see what would happen, and then it just didn't. Oh, and that like, was so right disappointing. After, yeah, right after the race, there were, like, tornado warnings for Mecklenburg where it is, and I, I don't know if anything happened with that, but uh, there was that threat, and um, Chase Elliott won, which he won the Robo last year. He's won, I think, three, four road course races in a row now, and – but, yeah, it was – Chaos and then not kind of night and day, both days, literally, because they were yeah, literally on Saturday. Um, and then Almendinger went right from the car to the booth to do the IMSA race that night. Uh, but but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to watch for sure. It, it's you don't know what's going to happen, and that's the fun part of it. Yeah, and I'm just pulling up Chase Elliott's career statistics. Mm. He has nine career wins and. Five of them are road courses, which is yeah. – I've been watching him since before trucks, uh, like late models when he was like 15 years old. I never thought he'd be the road course guy he is now. It's just – he has the most road course wins of anyone on the circuit right now in a career, and he's got a way shorter career than most other people. Tie one of Jeff Gordon's records for most consecutive road course wins, which is I never saw this coming, and his dad was not good at road courses. Bill Elliott, the high NASCAR Hall of Famer, only won one in his whole career. He only won one at Riverside, which yeah. doesn't exist anymore. It's now a shopping mall. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I I know we could talk about championship maybe another time or maybe in another yeah. segment, whatever. But 
I know Kevin Harvick's almost certainly going to win it. If not, it's going to be Hamlin. But if something happens to those two, I think it's Chase Elliott. Yeah. yeah and Kyle Busch getting eliminated. He's been in the championship for every year, 2015 to now. And he's just had one of the most – one of the biggest team – Pro Sports League team or, like, motorsports driver-wise, any of that. He's had the biggest – or one of the biggest championship hangovers I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and just – he, he's – he's hasn't – he almost won Bristol. It, it just – but otherwise, just nothing this year. He just hasn't been there. Yeah, it's the comparison to people that are listening that might be more familiar with um, uh, more traditional sports. It's the comparison to the Rams – just dominating the league and making the Super Bowl. They lost the Super Bowl, but the analogy still works. They go into the Super Bowl, and the next year, they Todd Gurley fell apart, and they missed the playoffs entirely. It's the same kind of thing. I, yeah. It's the worst year of his career, for sure, the worst year of his career. I don't, there's four races left. I don't see him winning one. First time in his career, he won't win a race, yeah. which is – it's, it's so <laughs> shocking. You, know, you just don't think of him being bad. And, frankly, that's what he's been this year. Yeah. And uh, one, one final thing, too. Uh, what are your – with Clint Boyer announcing his retirement, this means we're getting Jimmy Johnson retiring, Clint Boyer retiring, and effectively with Ross Chastain getting the 42, Matt Kenseth retiring for good uh, mm-hmm. at the end of this year, unless someone needs a super sub. Finally. I think it's the third time. Kenseth and Johnson have been racing since, like, 2000, 2001, 2002. Pretty much our uh, entire lives – and Clint Boyer, I mean, for probably like 15, 16 years. So um, I, I know I I grew up despising Jimmy Johnson until oh, like didn't. The, the 2010s. And then I was like, I, there was something clicked. And I, was, I started appreciating him and everything. And like I, like I matured a lot in like my appreciation of the sport. And I was like, you know, winning five titles is pretty impressive. It's kind of like the Brady thing, you know, and the Patriots. But, yeah, it's it's been, what, 20 years for a couple of them. And mm-hmm. seeing three of them leave after this year is pretty – it's going to be jarring next year. Yeah. And I was just thinking about this a few days ago. First race I ever went to was a, a, well, a then NASCAR Bush Series, now NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Richmond, April or May of 2007. And Clint Boyer won. Mm-hmm. First cup race I went to was that fall at Richmond. Jimmy Johnson won. And then the second cup race I went to was May of 2008 at Richmond and Clint Boyer won that one too. So literally tie back to when I was really little, I was never a big Clint Boyer fan after 2012. (laughs) If the pendant above my head says anything, I was a big, for for the people listening on audio, I have a Jeff Gordon pendant right above my head here in my little light up zoom box. Um, So that, if anyone knows anything, just Google, Phoenix or Martinsville 2012. That was not a fun year, but yeah. I'm excited be the to see together. what's going to come. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be a lot of fun. They did that for <laughs> iRacing during the beginning of the pandemic. That's going to be a lot of fun. He's going to kind of fill that kind of John Madden, Daryl Waltrip type crazy person role that's been <laughs> vacant because Jeff Gordon's kind of, frankly, he's more of a straight man, a little boring, but I'm more excited to see who's going to fill these seats. I know Alex Bowman's going to move to the 48, which opens up his seat also at Hendrick Motorsports. I have no clue what's going to happen there. Um, 14 is Kyle Larson. I think that's what a lot of people are guessing. Yeah, it kind of rubs me the wrong way that Kyle Larson will get fired for 
saying a racial slur and then end mm. up in a better car. It makes mm. so much sense though for him to go there. And then you got to promote Chase Briscoe. He's so good. You can't let him potentially walk to another team. And then Eric Jones is still floating out there too. But yeah, I thought Bubba Wallace might have a crack at the 48 or an open seat there. But with the news of Michael Jordan entering the, which is what Michael Jordan, that's incredible that he's starting a team. It's not unheard of. He used to own a motorcycle racing team uh, 10, 15 years ago. He's been a big racing fan. Uh, former NBA first overall pick Brad Doherty has been an owner and a broadcaster for 10, 15 years. Yeah. So it's not necessarily breaking new ground, but it also is in that still Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan. Again, I digress. I know we want to talk about Bubba Wallace in a minute anyways, but yeah, yeah. again, the potential for there to be new talent, the potential for there to be, especially at Hendrick Motorsports to kind of build that program back up to what they were. I'm really interested to see what the future has to hold with the schedule changes and with these open seats. Yeah. And that's a perfect segue because they're, uh, it's not unheard of, like you said, for pro athletes to be in sports. Troy Aikman owned a team in like the 2000s. Dan Marino was involved with the Jerry Nadu team in the late 90s. Uh, it, it's not unheard of, but no one as high a profile as Michael Jordan has ever tried to own a team. And kind of the, this is kind of, I guess, my, the finale here that I wanted to talk about. First off, uh, Brandon, my, my apologies. Uh, I feel bad. But Jason, I just went off for like 20 minutes. I was wanting to get into the conversation. Like literally, I was like sitting here thinking about like, you're talking about like accidents. And it's kind of like brought me back to the time where like Layton McQueen was like <laughs> racing against Jackson. Stone. I knew it was coming. And like, yeah, in that terrible, like violent crash, he had to like, he had a rehab in Radiator Springs for like months and he met Cruz Ramirez. She brought him back to his, you know, like, you know, his, his best state possible. And that's, I mean, I, that's, I want to talk about that, but you know, it's fine now. It's kind of, <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we got to talk about when, when the King wrecked and then Lightning McQueen pushed him across the line. That, exactly. how do we forget? How do we well, forget? And, and the new car uh, in 2022, Jackson Storm will be a pioneer. So, <laughs> um, but, but uh, I digress. So with, to, to start off, um, there's been over the last, I think it was in June that Talladega happened. Mm. But so it's been four or five months. But uh, starting off, Brandon, uh, I guess, as a person of color with the whole Bubba Wallace thing, how be, you're, you're not traditionally a, a big NASCAR fan. Um, but what, like, what did you, uh, take away from that entire thing and then I guess segueing into Michael Jordan coming into the sport forming the alliance with Virginia's own Denny Hamlin and bringing Bubba Wallace onto that team um, yeah so when I heard about the whole Bubba Wallace situation it didn't really surprise me and I mean because um, I know you guys like love racing it's something you guys have like love for your whole lives and everything and I respect that 100% like but traditionally NASCAR and racing in general hasn't been the most welcoming to people of color or black people. Right. So it's not always surprising that somebody would do that to him. Um, it was just really, it was definitely really shitty, terrible to hear, and especially with everything going on with like, at that point with George Floyd and everything to come with like, you know, or Breonna Taylor too, everything to come with like Jacob Blake and everything. Um, I'm just like, so, 
just hear, like hear, like seeing somebody like Bubba Wallace, who is actually so brave and so kind of like such a, he's somebody who is like perfectly positioned to have such a powerful and impactful voice, not even within just like NASCAR, but within sports in general. So seeing him kind of take that center stage and kind of um, speak to a lot of issues that I'm sure a lot of people who like watch NASCAR aren't exactly privy to. That was very, very like, that was, I, I really love seeing that. Seeing a lot of people who are like on Twitter, like who would never even dream of like watching a NASCAR race being like, oh wow, you know, I want to watch that guy now. He's like, I really, I, you know, I, I, I like him a lot. Um, so that's that was really, really cool to see. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and when it comes to Michael Jordan, I, I think that's really cool also because, you know, you can see Michael Jordan like within the last few, we talked about him like the whole Republicans buy sneakers too thing he, in the 90s, but recently he's kind of taken on much like a better turn towards, you know, championing social justice initiatives. And he, I remember he saw that over the next like 10 years, he's going to give like $1 billion to different kind of like um, social uh, justice initiatives around the country. So that's really amazing. And seeing him kind of, you know, actually make an effort to introduce racing to like people who might not be as like, interested in it. Um, that's really amazing because I really, I don't know what exactly like his, um, he, like you, he's buying, what exactly does that entail, right? Like he, him buying, like having his own team, what does that entail? They essentially took over the, the, the charter from one of the other teams, essentially taking over their car. And Hamlin uh, drives for Joe Goods Racing. He's come close to winning championship a couple of times. He's arguably in the best position to do so this year. But uh, he and Hamlin have been friends for a long time. Hamlin's been sponsored by Jordan for a long time. Uh, he's always had like he's a Jordan job. brand athlete, which I think yeah. is kind of funny because you don't see those in motorsports. <laughs> Yeah, he's always had like the Jumpman logo on his fire suit and everything. And they just, it was like a Tuesday night and just out, or a Monday night out of the blue, just, hey, uh, it, it had been rumored for a while that Hamlin was like coming up with his own race team, but it, but they just dropped it. It was boom, Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin partnering up. They took on Bubba Wallace, who will leave Richard Petty Motorsports after the season. And my fingers are crossed selfishly the car's number 23 but i know jordan said that's up to bubba so yeah that that's that's pretty much what it entails they'll be racing full-time in the cup series next year so will like jordan be like kind of scouting talent put on the team or will he like kind of trying to find people or like will he be doing stuff like that i mean or people within like i don't know i know he's been a motorsports guy just in general for a long time jason like you were saying but um I know I'm sure they'll bring on whatever pit crew members they can, maybe with like Jermaine racing, shutting down, maybe some, some people migrate to that team. Um, I don't know. That's a, that's a, honestly a good question. And I know he would, if the team decided to grow uh, in the coming years. Yeah. And then just to add more context for people that might not know a lot about racing, uh, <laughs> Owning a NASCAR team is probably the only sports team that you can own where you will almost certainly not make a profit. It's mm. so expensive. So many people, so much machinery, so much research and development has to go into it that for years, I say, if you want to be successful, you have to have a ton of money and really like what you're doing so you can just feel comfortable burning it, which is why Michael Jordan would be so valuable. His most valuable asset will probably likely be his pocketbook yeah. because he'll be able to just he has so much money. He's just able to just chuck money into it. And that drives everything. It's the lube that kind of makes the machine work. Um, 
in terms of scouting talent, I think he's going to be really happy with Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace is a really good race car driver. He's yeah. just in bad equipment, which people, mainstream people don't really understand. Mainstream people, what a funny way to phrase that. But people <laughs> that don't watch racing don't understand that because that's one of the knocks that people that really don't like Bubba Wallace get him on. It's like, oh, he's only 20th in points. When people that are inside the sport know that 20th in points in a Richard Petty Motorsports car is probably the best that team has done in the last six or seven years. And mm -hmm. when he was in what would be the minor leagues, the truck series and the Xfinity series, he won races. He competed for truck series championships and was in the Joe Gibbs racing pipeline before it's been so long. I don't remember why they moved on from him. It was likely sponsorship related, um, yeah. but he's a really good race car driver. And I think he has a really good opportunity and the hope would be to eventually get good enough to expand and own more cars. I think I could see Denny Hamlin maybe one day making the jump to drive for his own team, but maybe own yeah. two cars. Maybe they could be 23 and 45. That'd be kind of cool. But yeah. honestly, in terms of what Michael Jordan's day-to-day -day job of that team would be, it would pretty much just be to sign the checks and just rep make sure his brand's being represented. And I'd also like to make the point that um, this is statistically uh, Bob Wallace's best season to date. Uh, he ran full-time in 2018, 2019. Uh, he got a few top fives and top tens here and there. But this year, he's gotten five top tens, which is the most he's ever gotten. He's 22nd in points, which is the highest uh, he's ever if, – if he finishes there, that's the highest he's ever finished in Cup Series points. And it's – and he's – the top tens don't show at all, but he's been a lot better this year. He's improved a lot. Like, uh, he was running really well at Martinsville, finished, I think, just outside the top ten when he drove the uh, Black Lives Matter car. Uh, and – then, I wish we'd have talked about that more when that yeah. time came because that yeah. was monumental. I never, ever, let me tell a quick story. I went to Darlington in 2015. It was the first time the Southern 500 was back on Labor Day weekend uh, in 12 years, which for those that might not know, the Southern 500 was um, or is still a crown jewel race, yeah. iconic Memorial Day weekend in the deep south of Darlington, South Carolina. When Darlington had two races, their other race was called the Rebel 400. You can see where this is going. Mm -hmm. And it was traditionally ran on what used to be, the holiday doesn't really exist anymore for good reason, used to be a Confederate, Confederate Memorial Day. Mm -hmm. So that track has, for better or for worse, the track and the whole sport has a, a, a checkered history with these types of issues. Right. Um, I bring that point up because at that time, NASCAR was looking at banning the Confederate flag, a move they made ironically on the same day as that Martinsville race. Um, and the fans at the time pushed back hard against it mm -hmm. um, in that I drove into town and it was everywhere. And I was thinking, Brandon, to make your point again, not to speak from a position that I will never actually be in. I was yeah. thinking, man, I feel comfortable because I am me. And I look the way I do, um, but people of color, people that would traditionally be outsiders to these types of people, I could definitely see. And I agree with the fact that they would not feel welcomed. And I'm glad NASCAR made that decision because that is honestly the biggest knock. I remember Bamani uh, Jones on his podcast, the great reporter from ESPN, talked about how growing up his family, his father liked racing, but he never went to a race because he felt like he would not be welcomed. And then the fact that to see it on the most iconic number in the history of the sport, the 43 car with yeah. Richard Petty, who is probably the greatest race car driver in NASCAR history, at least statistically, definitely on the Mount Rushmore. And the fact that his number and branding was let 
for Black Lives Matter paint scheme was amazing. I know a lot of fans push back against it, but frankly, if they quit watching because of that or if they see NASCAR as not a place that they're welcome in anymore, that's really addition by subtraction. I mean, the whole goal is to make it a better place and make it a place welcoming of all people. And what Bubba Wallace has done has been incredibly brave because he's literally the only one of color in NASCAR. I mean, Daniel Suarez is from Mexico. But aside from that, the entire rest of the sport is American white males. And he's literally yeah, on yeah. an island. And I'm glad that the NASCAR fraternity has supported him. Yeah. And I'm glad that, especially when the Talladega issue came up, they even though that ended up not necessarily being a hate crime, I'm glad they still investigated that all the way out. I got yeah. a little bit sidetracked, but that, that was a very big moment, I think, in the history of the sport when that car was ran. Yeah, I just like, never in my life would I ever expected that NASCAR, like I already said, like a, like a league and sport that has never been like traditionally welcoming to people of color, where like, we don't feel welcome, like, like going to the, like the races or whatever, never would I imagine like a league like that with such a checkered history would embrace the Black Lives Matter movement and more than the NFL, a league comprised mostly of black people. Yeah. I would just, I would never expect it. That's a welcome surprise though, but like I, I would never have expected it. And at, at the same time with, um, uh, this is all a, a means to an end what I'm getting at. Uh, around the same time as, as they banned the check or the checkered flag, my God, the Confederate flag um, and everything. They also put out a message of support for the LGBT community uh, and everything. So this has just been an incredible year or an incredible year of, moving forward for the sport as a whole and just how um like like the the courage and everything that bubble wallace showed during that whether it was just when everything was going on outside of nascar or when it all happened like at once at talladega it's and you had the show support on sunday uh after the rope was discovered of all the drivers walking Bubba to his car and he was like in tears and everything and to see everyone uh whether it was on Twitter or at the track or uh, not even in NASCAR like other people just rallying around him it was the coolest thing uh and to see like all this also bringing in like uh I know like off the top of my head I can only think of uh Alvin Kamara who was at like Homestead and to see just to see all these people that NASCAR, maybe not attracted, but NASCAR has come to light for, uh, and in moving forward in the sport has been, it's been really cool to see for sure. Still progress to be made though, as is yeah, evident yeah, yeah. by the reaction that he has faced. He being Bubba Wallace has faced a few times this year, but yeah, definitely social media is not fun uh, half the time with all this. Definitely some huge steps uh, forward, steps I never thought I'd see especially anytime soon, maybe even ever, I'd ever thought I'd see. Yeah. Also, um, one thing I did want to say as well, Wallace led a bunch of laps Talladega like a week ago, and he, he was out front. He was doing really well, and then he got in like in the wall. He was in the lead and then got kind of punted in the wall, and that was kind of his race. Um, but but this, has been, this has been a lot of improvement this year that's um, like – statistically he's done a lot this year which has been really neat to see mm, definitely and um 
so uh, do you guys have anything else? Uh, well, Brandon, you want to start off? Um, really quick, um, NASCAR, love it surprisingly. <laughs> NFL, hate it. Um, uh, MLB, optimistic, surprisingly optimistic. Um, NHL, good. Uh, let me think. What's going on in sports? First of all, crazy NFL year. Uh, we haven't talked about fantasy football at all. I just want to bring it up because that's my life in the fall. And fingers crossed, we're taping this in the middle of Monday Night Football. It's looking like I'll finally break through for my first win. So that's tough sledding. I was about to send that meme I photoshopped of I'm not having fun anymore. Fantasy football meme with Odell Beckham. But also Odell Beckham's wild, apparently. But I digress. But um, NFL... Every morning I wake up and think, my goodness, the season's about to end. So <laughs> yeah. I hope they figure out a way. I know they probably won't. Um, and, yeah, besides that, I had said earlier this year in the springtime that once sports start going again, it'll be like drinking through a fire hose of how much is going on. <laughs> and, honestly, last night when there was Sunday night football and then the Rays and the Astros and then NBA Finals, Game 6, and I'm trying to watch three or four things at one time. I was like, this is exactly how I, I wanted it to be. Yeah, I wish yeah. it was under better circumstances. This is exactly what I thought it would be like. I had, I had my new laptop and the TV, and then I had my old laptop that's probably going to die soon. Um, I brought something up on there for a few minutes. And it was just like, just it was overload. So I was like, I'm going to make time tomorrow to watch highlights from all three since I missed a lot. Because you're excited to watch a bunch of things at once, and then you miss a lot. And uh, I might have to do that tomorrow. Um, but did you guys have anything to plug? Uh, um, social media, stuff you're doing, whatever. Yeah, so my new show, <clears throat> uh, it's going to be on WCW, hopefully sometime soon. It's called Profile. Um, visit, like, it's, 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 it's about a lot of stuff. But more than anything, we're going to be studying different case studies throughout pop culture and sports. It's really cool. I'm really excited for it. There's also going to be a written component online, too, so check that out. My Twitter is at Roma and LeBron James, the greatest basketball player of all time. I'll co-sign that. <laughs> all right. Well, for me, I am currently an unemployed college graduate, but I'm working on breaking back into the media world. Again, Twitter at Jason Bowman underscore. I cleaned the handle up so it'd be a lot easier to find when you search my name. Uh, looking for a freelance reporter. I'm definitely available. Also, we'll be blogging for A10 Talk in the fall, focusing a lot on BCU basketball, which was already my domain to begin with. So a lot of people that have been following me for that type of news, just keep on going. I'll be, I'll be talking about that again and then hopefully finding more ways to be involved in college sports. But right now that's the plan and I'll be sure to keep y'all updated on my social medias. And again, keep listening to WBCW radio. I don't work there anymore, but I put a lot of time into it. So <laughs> they seem to be doing some cool stuff. So um, yeah, uh, my Twitter is at Adam and Cheek. Um, I write weekly for Front Stretch and occasionally for Call to the Pen on Fan Sided about MLB stuff. It's um, um, still looking for other stuff uh, as well. Um, those are my main two things. I do some stuff for WBCW. And um, thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>